This is The Guardian. I'm Patrick Keneally, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. When Animal Justice Party MP Georgie Purcell first saw a photo of herself on a Nine News bulletin, she immediately knew that something was off. Nine News has come under fire for photoshopping an image of Animal Justice Party MP Georgie Purcell. The photo had been edited to turn her dress into a crop top and skirt and to enlarge her breasts. The broadcaster has apologised, blaming Photoshop for automatically changing a picture of Georgie Purcell. But while Georgie accepts the apology, she doesn't buy the reasoning behind it. And she says the incident shows how women in politics are often treated. I just don't think that a male MP would have his suit cropped on the news or his outfit changed because it would be picked up on ultimately. And I think that as we have more and more young women like myself who might be a little bit different, uh, who might not look like the typical politician coming through our uh, political systems, we need to be more mindful of our unconscious biases. So what does this tell us about how artificial intelligence has been used and who's responsible when it causes harm? Today, a Photoshop scandal and the murky ethics of AI. It's Thursday, the 8th of February. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot... We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So Georgie, can you take us back to last week? Last Monday, specifically, the day that you described as being the worst day of your political career so far. Why do you say that? Monday was by far the worst day in my working life. I've been a dedicated campaigner against recreational duck shooting in Victoria for over 10 years, largely as a volunteer, but now as a member of parliament. And we came so close to doing that after the government formed their own parliamentary inquiry, which recommended a ban. But that was the day that they rejected that advice and agreed to continue duck shooting in Victoria. So it was a massive blow. It was devastating. It was emotional. And I spent all day from the moment I got up until um, the evening doing media on duck shooting. It was story of the day in state politics. And I was catching up on the nightly news and saw the nine story and up behind the presenter was this image of me 
and I noticed that my stomach was showing, but there's no tattoos on it. I've got a heavily tattooed stomach. So I put up the original photo, put them side by side and realized that they'd completely changed my outfit. I was wearing a dress that got turned into a crop top and given larger breasts. And it was really, really confronting, uh, particularly after such a big emotional day. I guess I didn't expect to be thrown a sexist curveball on top of it. And I really think it sends a message that our bodies are up for grabs and, you know, for changing and to meet, um, I guess, conventional beauty standards. You said that this is unlikely to have happened to a male colleague. Can you tell us why that is and expand on that? Yeah, look, I think despite coming a long way in terms of accepting women into politics and our parliaments, we still have a really long way to go. Certainly when we get here, it feels like we have to work twice as hard to get here and then, you know, twice as hard to prove ourselves. But not only that, we are, I guess, critiqued and judged in different ways than men are. And part of that is what we are wearing. And I just don't think that a male MP would have his suit cropped on the news or his outfit changed because it would be picked up on ultimately. And I think that as we have more and more young women like myself who might be a little bit different, uh, who might not look like the typical politician coming through our uh, political systems, we need to be more mindful of our unconscious biases. Channel 9 in its defence said... As is common practice, the image was resized to fit our specifications. During that process, the automation by Photoshop created an image that was not consistent with the original. Do you buy that explanation? Look, I accepted Nine's apology because they contacted me immediately, apologised profusely, and I was satisfied with every other way that they handled it. However, I'm not sure that I buy the reasoning behind it. I'm obviously not an expert in design and I won't claim to be, but... I had multiple designers and digital agencies reach out to me throughout that day um, and since then. And then obviously Adobe entered the chat and said it's not possible either. So whether or not it was a mistake, whether or not it was intentional, I think still at the end of the day, why wasn't it picked up that I was in a crop top? I was featured next to our Premier Jacinta Allen, who's also a woman, and I'm pretty sure of it churned out her in a crop top. Uh, they would have noticed. So it uh, has been a learning experience for everyone and that not just for Nine but for all media outlets that as these emerging technologies, you know, come through and are being more and more regularly used, they come with risks. But I have a fear that our laws are not equipped to deal with the real impact that this could have on uh, on women, particularly women in public life. And during that, the week that's been in between you raising the issue, have more women reached out to you with similar experiences of having their image changed online or, or um, you know, deep fakes or AI-generated images of them put on, on social media? Yeah, I have actually. So I've had a number of women reach out to me who are in public life or are influencers that have, say, taken part in like a campaign or a promo and had their photo taken and had their images altered or edited or photoshopped in a way uh, to make them look more flawless, more beautiful, I guess, that uh, were not comfortable with that and specifically requested for that not to happen, and it had. And then I've also been contacted by women who have had their photos taken off the internet and 
turned into deep fake imagery. And what's particularly concerning is that I obviously had the platform to call it out. I'm an elected member of parliament. I've got a decent following on social media. But this is happening to everyday women that might just have a few photos on their Instagram account or their Facebook, but it's enough for these people to take and create these images that look so real and can be life-destroying. Do you think incidents like this will stop or deter women from entering politics? Yes, absolutely. I think people watch on women in public life and might have aspirations to do the same, but then see the treatment that we receive and it deters them. And that is so damaging to democracy. I probably feel that more severely because I have a colourful background that I've been very open about. I I was a stripper when I was at university and that's something I chose to share because I knew that if I didn't, it would probably be shared about me anyway. But I'm contacted by women literally every single day, uh, particularly in the past week, that say it is my dream to get elected as a member of parliament or to work in politics, but I'm too fearful about the way that I will be treated. And there's just so much more that we need to do to make public life and our parliaments, and particularly the online space, that is the biggest threat, in my opinion, a safe place for women that do want to enter public life. Do companies need to do better or is it really up to governments to step in and regulate in this area? It's both. It's absolutely both. Uh, Nine is responsible for what happened to me, whether it was uh, an accident or malicious. And I think it's really good that they have for the most part, taken accountability for that. There's real harm that can come with broadcasting a photo of someone that has been altered or manipulated. And I think it's pretty lucky for them that it happened to me because, to be completely upfront, I cop a lot of sexist and misogynistic rhetoric. And for me, it was sort of just one other blow. But other people might not deal with it as well. And it can have, you know, really long running impacts. So I think the accountability is on media outlets and, you know, um, businesses and whoever else is using this technology. But it's, it's also on the government to ensure that when this does happen, um, or if it does happen, that there is a pathway for justice, particularly when it comes to uh, deep fake pornography and images like that that can just completely lose control on the internet and can be really, really hard to stop. Next, Guardian Australia's technology reporter, Josh Taylor, on how this could have happened. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So Josh, AI has had a lot to answer for lately. How does this AI generative image technology work exactly? So normally with, with an image that you're editing in Photoshop, if you were to expand beyond the borders of the original photo, you just get a, a blank space essentially and you'd have to you know, play with the brushes, work it around and, and, and do it all yourself. There's this new feature in Photoshop called Generative Fill where you can open up and expand the image beyond the, its borders and then you can either enter in a few words for what you'd like to see there or you can just leave it the space blank and it will generate what it thinks should fill the space, be it a background, the rest of the person's body, everything like that. And that's basically what happened here. We, we, what Nine has likely done is taken a horizontal photo of, of Georgie Purcell, cut off her at around the midpoint in her chest, and then just used the generative expanse to make it a vertical image and fill in the blanks further down her body. So that's roughly what happened here. So in the same way that generative text-based AI looks at patterns in words. So for example, it looks at a, a word and it figures out which word comes next to generate its text. Generative image AI, does that work in a similar way? It looks at a data set of images and figures out what kind of patterns and, and what should come next if you expand an image? Yeah, so Adobe would have a data set of millions, billions of, of images and it would look at a certain image and say, oh yes, this is a, a woman we can kind of guess what will come next. Uh, and it's interesting when you play around with this technology, it'll come up with different options. Sometimes it might be wearing jeans, sometimes it might be wearing you know, a long dress, sometimes you know, just different things based on what it thinks should be there and will essentially fill in the space. And this is it's slightly different from when you're getting the whole generated image from just a few set of words. This is essentially just taking what is an existing image and saying, this is how we think the rest of the image would look. And why would uh, newsrooms use this type of AI technology in the first place? Well, I think, you know, every newsroom would have a, a Photoshop license. So I think it's probably fairly standard for uh, these sort of things. I think the complicated bit is that these AI tools are now being integrated into stuff that people are using already. And I don't think there's much consideration for what it's doing and or, you know, how it's, how it's manipulating, you know, real images into potentially fake images as well. And that's where we're sort of a bit confused about where it's going to go. Uh, so we know that this was something that Nine was potentially already looking at. Uh, in August, Nine CEO Mike Sneesby said he could see the potential for Nine to use AI to drive meaningful long-term benefits in content production, operational efficiency, and commercialization throughout the business. They were looking at ways to speed up the process of what they're doing. And obviously, like in a fast-paced TV news environment, when you're trying to get graphics for on-screen, that's one of the places where you want to drive operational efficiency. So Channel 9 says it was an automatic error, I guess people working at speed, but Adobe, on the other hand, came out and said this would have had to have human intervention or approval at some point. You ran tests yourself using the same AI technology on images in our newsroom. What did you find? I found very similar things. It wasn't quite so easy to completely recreate with, with the Georgie image, but if you used images of women sort of cut off at their shoulders or, or just their head and you expanded out, you would get more sort of scantily clad images or like wearing less clothes than you would if you were doing it with men. And that suggests that although, you know, ultimately 
nine is responsible, but it does mean that there are questions to be raised about the data set that Adobe is using to train the AI on and whether there's some inherent bias uh, over how women appear in it uh, versus men. Adobe said in a statement that it had trained its model with diverse image datasets and it said it continually tests the model to mitigate against perpetuating harmful stereotypes. And one of the big factors here is it's also reliant on reports from users for potentially biased outputs and uses those user reports to improve the process, which means they maybe modify the database, put in you know, certain blocks on certain searches and things like that and, and essentially refine the tool. So at The Guardian, we don't use this type of technology. In fact, we've pretty much had quite a hard line saying we're not using AI in the production of news or content. What should media organisations be doing in this space? I think ultimately it does just come down to transparency, basically telling readers this is how we're using the technology. And we already have in Australia a voluntary AI ethics principles that advise people using AI that the use of this technology should be identifiable and people should be accountable for the outcomes and there should be human oversight involved. So Channel 9 seems to be in breach of both the voluntary AI ethics principles and the MEAA, which is the Journalist Union uh, Code of Ethics, stating that pictures and sound must be true and accurate and manipulation likely to mislead should be disclosed. What I can see happening out of out of this and, and you know as we go forward is that more and more AI will be integrated into what people do in media. Uh, there's really no escaping that. But I feel like you might see more of this companies essentially blaming the AI for unintended consequences of what they're what they're making, uh, when ultimately there should be some sort of level of human involvement and accountability for what they ultimately put to air or publish online or, or anything like that. Is it getting harder to tell what is AI generated and what's not? I remember when it sort of the technology first came out a few years ago and somebody posted some great pictures of Donald Trump, for example, getting uh, in, in the courtroom, then getting arrested, then, you know, staging a breakout from jail in a Shawshank Redemption style thing. <laughs> and they were fun and they were funny, but they were obviously AI. You could tell really easily. Um, there were all the telltale signs. But is it getting harder to tell what is AI generated and what's real? It's going to be increasingly hard to tell what's AI generated and what's real. And I think that probably puts it back on media organizations to set the standard and I guess be incredibly transparent about when this technology is used and things like that, because we risk getting to a stage, and I think that this this Georgie Purcell case is kind of the, the early start of it, where if, if we start not being able to rely on thinking that, you know, is this AI or not, suddenly every image, audio, video that's created from now on is suspect and we need to go through processes to determine whether it's real or not. I, I'm hopeful that maybe there might be much easier tools to actually be able to detect this as well. I think it would go a long way to, to reassuring the public about what's real and what's not. So Josh, AI and particularly generative image AI, it's still a relatively new technology. And as a tech reporter, are you worried about the implications and perhaps the lack of regulation? Yeah, it's a general acceptance within the area of technology that legislation will always significantly lag the arrival of a new technology and it's it's often playing catch up. But I think this is happening at a much quicker rate than anyone could ever have predicted. Uh, you know, we were all, all talking about this within a year of sort of this stuff becoming widely available for everyone to use essentially. 
uh, and we, we have yet to see a scandal in Australia involving a deep fake or, uh, you know, a fake video or anything like that, apart from sort of the, the scammers starting to use the likenesses of celebrities in, in videos and things like that. But it won't be long until we're with in that area. Uh, I think it's still very piecemeal in terms of global legislation about what legislators are doing. You're seeing a bit in the United States, you're seeing a bit in Europe and the UK. Uh, in Australia, where the e-safety commissioner is looking at doing this through... Uh, industry codes that she can enforce and then take them take the platforms and things like that to court if they're not complying with it but it's still sort of long way away before that is getting done and and you know this this technology is only going to accelerate over the next coming months and years georgie governments in australia and around the world are grappling with how to regulate ai do you think the laws are failing people at the moment? Absolutely. I think the laws are failing people at the moment. I guess I think protections and serious penalties around um, abuse of this uh, technology is a first start, but more broadly, that's not legislative. We really need to understand the, the psychological damage that image-based abuse can have on women, particularly young women who are a target of this in high schools and universities. A lot of this technology is easily accessible. And if you know how to use it, all you need is a few different images of the person and you can create something that looks like them, but isn't them. And it is often so crushing to people uh, and so emotional and so anxiety inducing that you just back away and isolate yourself and, you know, remove yourself from uh, those communities. I really think we need to flip the narrative on this. And I think it's starting to change uh, that uh, the only person that is responsible for that suffering is a person who did it. That was Georgie Purcell, an Animal Justice Party MP for Northern Victoria. Earlier in the episode, you heard from Josh Taylor, a technology reporter for Guardian Australia. You can find more of Josh's work on theguardian.com and we've linked his latest analysis on the Georgie Purcell Photoshop scandal on the Full Story page. If you want to read more about the Guardian's AI policy, we've linked that to the Full Story page too. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthrea and Daniel Simo, who also did the sound design and mix. The executive producers of Full Story are Hannah Parks and Miles Martignoni. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe or follow Full Story wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also leave a review. I'm Patrick Keneally. Catch you next time and thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.